Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fuck nicks I like. I gotta be honest with you, right now, I am sitting in my garage, the door is open, which is unusual. I usually kind of lock myself in here to do this, but I'm waiting for Ben Stiller, and it's kind of gotten me a little emotional, a little weird. Uh, I've met Ben a few times. We've had a couple of conversations. We know each other. We know of each other, but let's be honest. He's the biggest fucking comedy star, certainly a household name, and I, I, I didn't think he would necessarily do the show, but I thought if he did do the show that I would go to him, I'd go to his office maybe to his house, I don't know, you know, well, anyway, so after back and forth, back and forth with with his assistant, a couple email exchanges with Ben, he's coming here, he's coming to my house, and it brought up a lot of shit for me, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not even sure why, I, you know, my first thought was like, you know, Ben doesn't want me in his house, I, I literally thought that, I'm like, Ben doesn't want me in his house, what is that? And then I started thinking, like, well, maybe Ben wants to come here because he wants to to see how the other half lives, that kind of thing, which is ridiculous. He doesn't know my life. And then, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I better tidy up. I better make, the, you know, I, I just uh, sent my intern to get some water. I got nothing to offer him. Then I start thinking, like, what if I offer him water from a pitcher that it's dirty, like he's going to look at my, he's going to come in the kitchen and everything's going to be dirty. And he's not going to, you know, he's going to be, you know, I, I was concerned that I was having an ant problem in the garage. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened. It's weird. He's just a guy that is one of the biggest stars working. But I'm sitting here freaking out. Like, oh, God, it's so stupid. I, I was, I was, uh, like, I felt like I needed to apologize for my life. I mean, I've known of Ben and I've known Ben a long time. I mean, I remember. Uh, back when Dave Cross moved to Los Angeles and then he started doing the Ben Stiller show. I started with Janine. I knew Janine. I knew Janine when she was sort of dating Ben when he was in New York producing a show, but I had no sense of anything. I remember being jealous of him, but that doesn't seem to be there anymore. I don't know what the hell happened, but I certainly felt this nervousness about my life because he's coming up here. I don't know. I'm just surprised. You know, I'm gonna, I'm happy to, to, to spend the time with him and to talk to him, but I'm surprised at my reaction. Especially the one where, like, he doesn't want me in his house. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I mean, I, not. it's not like I would take anything, but... Whew. It's ridiculous. It's very revealing. It's very revealing that I have this thing in me that d- assumes that I'm not, you know, good enough or, like, you know, I, I've somehow failed. Whereas, the truth of the matter is, I like my life. I like my house. I like my garage. I, it's a little cluttered, but it's getting better. Uh, I'm happy with my work, but there's still that thing where it's like, you know, I feel like I need to apologize for it. It's ridiculous. I better get my shit together before he comes over. I'll tell you that right now. So don't you guys say anything to Ben about this conversation. You know, don't don't say anything to anybody that I'm having this weird, anxious, nervous, insecure, self-judging, crazy uh, reaction to, uh, to him coming over my house. I mean, why, my house could fit in his living room, I bet. But what's that got to do with anything? Fuck. God damn it. I know I'm gonna bring this shit up with him. Maybe if I talk it out here, I I won't bring it up with him. Alright, so let's just be cool. Alright, everyone act cool when Ben is here. I can't believe you're here, man. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I, it, it's great. It's just, uh, it's baffling to me because, you know, when we started talking a bit about doing the show and then I con- and then I got in touch with your assistant and whatever, I was, um, I was, in, I was uh, sort of amazed at what it brought up in me. If really? I could start that way. I, I Well, like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, Ben Stiller's coming to my house. <laughs> 
Like you know, and then it's I, weird for me to think that that would bring up anything. Well, for I know, anybody. I know. <laughs> I, I, well, there's a, there like I like I'm a little nuts. So like I'm thinking like I would have gone to his office with my rig and taped it. And now he's coming to my house, and then like then then I go to like, do you not want me in his house? And, like, <laughs> and, then, and then that's I, probably <laughs> true out of my own insecurity about my house. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, as long as it's that, and not like yeah. you know, I don't know, Marin. Yeah. No, no. It's because I feel like I'm always I have always of issues about you know how what my house should be and how oh I really should, yeah well I thought that I I not only did I think I had to tidy up I was thinking about you know putting on an addition mm-hmm. you know <laughs> really quick yeah. yeah and then like I in here I had some ant issues and I'm like what if Ben doesn't like ants like. <laughs> The other, I love, I love it. Oh, good. Because the other night I came in here, it was like a sequel to the Hellstrom Chronicle. I mean, it was like, <laughs> there was like thousands of ants. In, and then uh-huh. I started to envy their organization. Yeah, they're yeah. not, they're gone now. But you know when they get those ant parades? Anyways. You do have a spider happening. Though, which well, is yeah. You know, I've, I, I don't know. There. Yeah, it's still a garage. Which my mom says is always good luck to have spiders. Is that true? Yeah. That's what she says. Whenever there's a spider in the shower or something. Don't says, kill it? Don't kill it. So in the garage here at the Cat Ranch is uh, Ben Stiller. And I'm very happy you're here. I think uh, now that we've gotten out of yes. the... I've shared my insecurity with you. And mine. And it goes right her, back. Yeah. I, uh, I, there's, there's a couple of things that are happening for me with you right now. I saw Greenberg and, and I have this experience when I see all your movies is like, you know, holy fuck, he did it again. How is he in such good shape? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's what I hope to inspire. <laughs> but, but honestly, artistry. Some, well, no, no, there's other things, but I'm just speaking yeah. as a, a guy who is, uh, you know, is self involved and thinks right. about food a lot. I mean, and, and I, it may be an awkward way to start the interview, no, but no, I mean, I, I, I understand. How much time do you put into uh, to exercise? Well, honestly, um, well, I'm, uh, you know what? I'm not very consistent with it at all. But and, when, uh, yeah. but for Greenberg, it was uh, Noah asked me to either. He said uh, he wanted to change my appearance and he didn't want me to look like I'd been exercising. So I feel like I might have failed because he wanted me. I actually lost weight and didn't work out for that right he just um, wanted to gaunt he wanted to be gaunt yeah. right so uh he said either fat or gaunt <laughs> oh right so you went with gaunt <laughs> we decided to go with gaunt um uh but also because i felt like i didn't want it to be fat like pathetic fat you know? right or maybe it's just because i wanted to lose more weight i don't know it's a difficult um, character i mean like i yeah, when yeah. i saw the coming attractions i was there was that moment where i'm like holy fuck this is about me and right. then when I saw the movie, it, he was a little more disturbing than yeah. than like maybe our peers or people you know like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like uh, I've had that reaction when I saw the movie. Also. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like that, that's about me? No, no, no. That that it was about you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that it was slightly more. That the character was slightly more uh, disturbing, I guess, than I thought of playing him. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but I think that that and. It, I, you know, it was one of those things where I, I kind of trusted Noah to sort of have a tone that he felt was right for the movie and then just go with it. Now, but when you do a character like that, because like I, 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 a lot of the smaller movies that, that you've done in the independent films, well, they may not have been small, but Permanent Midnight and uh, right. Your Friends and Neighbors and and, uh, and, and this film, it, it, it seems to me that your ability, I mean, you've got a pretty broad talent and it's pretty amazing. And, and, and your ability to, to show up for, for the roles at, you know, with a lot of yourself intact is, is, is sort of mind blowing to me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, with, with myself and, I mean, I feel like that's what you have to do though. Right. When right. You play, especially, I mean, like, it's been a long time since those two movies and Greenberg for me. So it was actually, uh, you know, I, I've been really wanting to, to work in a, in a movie in that, that world in that context. So, I, you know, I kind of just felt like, okay, this is a chance to, to really, I, when we were doing it, I felt like, oh, this has been, a, it's been a long time since I've uh, had this feeling of being connected to something like this and, and trusting the filmmaker like that. And, like even with, uh, with Tropic Thunder, that there, there's a vulnerability that you have that, that is, is sort of rare in somebody who is, uh, uh, as big a star as you are and as, as talented as you are that a lot of times I feel like your humanity's right fucking out there. Oh yeah. Do you feel that? Um, you know, I don't think about it that much because I honestly feel like it it's whatever the the role is or uh-huh. whatever the movie is that it has to somehow connect 
personally, you right? Know? Otherwise, with uh, you, yeah, yeah. But I don't. You think every actor does that or or, or strives for that? I I, I guess it's just that, like because when I I think about you now, I've known you a long time. We've we've talked before here and there, but not in depth about anything. Right. You know, I remember when you know before the Ben Stiller show when you were doing a show in New York because I knew Janine then and you knew Janine. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was a Ben Stiller show, and then you've sort of built this amazing body of work that went on IMDb, and, I, and it's just you know mind blowing. But but the thing that I always find amazing is that you you are you're not a clown, you know, and you <laughs> and you know and you right. can do a lot of things, and and that your 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 sense of physical timing is is impeccable, and it just seems to me that like unlike other film comedians, that you have this broad emotional range that shows up in all the roles. But I guess what I'm saying is how close when you do something like Greenberg. You know, we're all a little narcissistic. We're all a little selfish. We're yeah, yeah. a little full of anxiety. But that guy was clearly detached beyond the point that you or I would be. Right. But how much of you shows up in that thing? Uh, well, again, I feel like it all has to come out of something that, um, that, that, you know, that you personally connect with. I mean, for me, that guy was specifically, um, written by Noah and I understood the places where I could connect with issues that he had that might have been a little bit more exaggerated um in certain places and other places i could just connect with it in a real way right um but his circumstances in his life were are are different than mine so uh and there are people who i know that it that really i felt like oh i that guy is like somebody i know people right I, yeah in my life right you know? he's a very familiar guy yeah and um and elements of his personality where he could, you know, he's able to judge people. I mean, I, I feel like it was all things that I, I understood on, on a certain level, some more viscerally than others. And then the parts that I didn't really connect with as much, though I saw in someone else, that I would, I, I, I kind of had to get involved with that connection with the people, you know, trying to understand that more. And that was just, uh, so it was sort of a combination. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah I get it. Um, and there's people I know really close to me in my life who, the, one person in particular, that I really connected with in terms of this person. And that, it actually ended up giving me more of a feeling of empathy for that person because I was sort of forced to have to understand, like, how does somebody, how is somebody, how is somebody like that? How they stifle themselves. Yeah. With their own emotional blindside. Yeah. And, um, the pain of that. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess I, I, I had, I, felt like there was a connection with that that feeling the the pain underneath of that and mm -hmm. you know i don't know it's hard because then like i said when i saw the movie it was like a different experience than doing it because it is like uh you know the guy is pretty uh, disjointed yeah. and um but uh but it was really uh for me i felt like i having to get to try to know what that that person's uh outlook on life was where they were coming from without sort of looking at it from the outside but like from the inside uh -huh was helpful to me just as a, a, a person <laughs> to, yeah. to sort of have an empathy for that, for people who you can go, well, what's, what's your problem? Well, like, that's come on, interesting. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, pull it together. And, and obviously we all can't, you know, we, we all would if we could. I that's think. right. And I mean, then that's, <laughs> that's interesting. So that empathy, because like in show business, I mean, that character is, there, there's a lot of them. Right. That, that somebody that, you know, had these dreams, that had maybe an initial wave of success, and then just for whatever reason, just crashed and burned. Yeah. Because in that movie, you have a guy that had some success in music, but, you know, for, for excuses, I don't know how you, you connected it emotionally, you know, he pulled out. Right. And you right. see that all the time. I mean, you see that with our peers. I mean, I think yeah. I've been that. Right. And, yeah. and, because of your work ethic, the one thing I'm learning about people that are successful in this in this industry is you work your ass off. I I, I do a two twice a week podcast and I'm overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> now, when yeah, when, but there's a flip side to that too. You know, I mean, there's the the you know uh, the working 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 can also be a way uh, to to not stop and and feel too. You know, oh of course, yeah, and that's something I've learned over the years. Like oh, when I actually stop. You know, there, it, there's a life around you. Yeah, there's a life around. There's also kind of chaos, and there's not order necessarily. You know, uh -huh. and there's a real simplicity in working that I think is not. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but you know, having kids and 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 learning that you know life doesn't just sort of happen on its own if you just go off and and work all the time has sort of 
you know, force me into figuring out, well, what's the balance? How do you, you know? pay, yeah, how no, do you, and, and I'm trying to figure that out still. I yeah. Think. Well, I have to assume that, you know, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but I have to assume that given, you know, what I know of your parents and their careers yeah. and, and, and how they, you know, present themselves on stage that chaos was not unusual. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was a very, uh, intense, uh, uh, working situation they had with each other growing up because they had a comedy team and they were having to write and create these uh you know sketches and commercials and and their their act mm -hmm. and go out and do it and i think that's incredible pressure yeah and it, it, being in a show business family you know let's get to that in a second okay. i think what i wanted to ask you about in terms of being empathetic for people that have that sort of self-sabotaging right, right. self-righteous narcissism i mean what what do you think in your own career and, and from people that you know you know, why do you think that that people because we know talented people that have just sort of get in their own stopped. way stopped yeah now did you get any oh, stopped yeah well i mean yeah. stopped or just stopped themselves get in their own right. way certainly but in, on some level and remain there spinning right you know blaming everybody else what did yeah. you get any insight into that i mean um sure yeah i mean I, I think the thing in greenberg is he's a guy who really had these ideals and an ego and really felt like he you know uh really knew something knew what you know knew what he wanted knew what it was about and then um and then and 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 sort of you know it's that thing when you're young where you just don't understand that there's that you're not always going to have your you know your whole life in front of you and you're going to have all these opportunities and you know when you're in a moment where things are happening you don't know that that's not it's not always going to be like <laughs> right. that yeah 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 um you know especially if stuff happens at a young age um, and also that you're going to have to work Right. That, that right. to follow up any initial success creatively, right. that, that can't be it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and judging yourself against that or whatever you think about can't be it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, it's that sort of like in your head that you don't allow yourself that, um, you know, the perspective on that, you don't have it. I mean, no, no one should be expected to have that perspective, uh, you know, unless you just have this preternatural sort of sense of, oh, this is how it's going to be. So I think he sort of didn't realize that and, um, you know, and then just life sort of happened, and then and, you know, and yeah. it happened and happened. And, and it's that way you can delude yourself and uh, be in denial or whatever it is to get through the day. And, you know, he was just getting through the day and, and living as and slowly things just sort of, you know, went away and changed. I mean, to me, it, it goes to, it, it goes to a very basic fear in in show business where you know you never know when it's all going to dry up you know what i mean you really don't. and i and i and i'm i, I very much uh you know I, I, I can identify with that feeling i think it's an actor's thing you know you don't know where the next job is coming right from. yeah and then all of a sudden you look around and you go oh my god i'm you know it's not, it's not happening it's you gone know? <laughs> so the way that that character protected himself right that uh, like that is just to avoid that entirely yeah exactly and he got very critical of the world and, right. and re you know and sort of put himself outside of it which i think we all kind of do or maybe i'm just saying this <laughs> you know in a way you you have to go well i don't want to be a part of this i don't want to be a part of that and i'm happy doing what i'm doing and if you are happy doing what you're doing great but you know sometimes you have to sort of create that because it's not an, an option for you well yeah and i think that i think that's true and i think it's a, an amazing thing that you, you acknowledge that fear but because you're you're need to and and also your professional uh ethic is to stay open and keep creating i right. mean because if right. i think about the well, that's that's the balance is to then also not to get cynical and to be able to stay open right and, and, and to it and that's i think that's the big challenge sure and i mean and you've been doing it for years because i can't it's amazing to me that if i look at the cast of the ben stiller show and i look at you know all the dudes that you had on board there judd apatow bob odenkirk dino stematopoulos mm -hmm. Uh, and Dave Cross, right. Janine, Andy Dick, that all of those people were insanely talented. Some of them, you know, you know, surfaced more than others, but all of them have continued working in show business. Right. That, that the creativity there from that, from the beginning of that, did you know, I mean, how did that, that thing happen? Because it was sort of an interesting story. There, it was almost like, uh, in the late sixties in the film industry where, where Hollywood didn't know what to do anymore. And you came in uh -huh. with a new comedic idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we all felt like we were just, um, I mean, I'd been, uh, I've been with Jeff Kahn. We'd been trying to get uh, a sketch show going, uh, from MTV because we'd been doing a show on, on MTV, uh, this little sort of half sketch show, half showing videos. Right. Um, called the Ben Stiller show. Uh, that came out of us doing an act together. We sort of did this sort of half-assed live act in New York at the China Club uh, in the late 80s because I was I, I just had always been going back and forth and 
doing little parts in movies, wanting to be a director, uh, and when I wasn't getting work as an actor, going off and making little shorts or, or parodies. And, and directing some sh- stage shows as well, right? Um, Colin Quinn did a one-man show right. uh, at the Tamarin Theater uh that I that was like the only thing I really ever which is directed. now the UCB yes exactly yeah. um, but you know I was sort of just sort of trying to figure out how to keep keep busy and do what I wanted to do which was direct and act and I was kind of trying to figure it out I think I, and and sometimes I'd get work as an actor and then other times I would just be uh, sort of you know trying to keep things going um, and then uh, I started and then I, Saturday Night Live was something I always wanted to do and I'm, and Jeff and I met in uh, in L.A. I was uh, staying at uh, at, at uh, John Cusack's house in L.A. He was shooting Say Anything. I met him because we did this movie called Hot Pursuit, uh-huh. uh, where I played my dad and I played the bad guys right, right, who right. played drug runners. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, we never did again. Um, <laughs> but, you have work, but you have worked with your father a few I have, times. Yes, I have. But um, so I met Jeff uh, through through John, and Jeff and I started just uh, riffing on ideas, and and then we moved in together, and then we started doing this little live show where we did characters, and then MTV gave us a chance to do something, uh, this thing called It's Your Hour, where you could just do whatever you want for no money. And we did that, and then they gave us a shot at this little uh, half-video show where he did videos and did sketches. And it was sort of like a Larry Sanders-esque idea of me having a show and behind the scenes of the show. Uh And then that led to this Fox situation where Fox wanted to uh, develop a sketch show, and that took about two years, and we didn't get anywhere. And then I met Judd Apatow at... uh, in line at an Elvis Costello unplugged taping. Really? That's where you met him? Yeah. Yeah. And he was a stand up and he was working, you know, with, he was writing for Jim Carrey and, and Shandling, writing, right? And Shandling and Tom Arnold. Uh, in fact, I just saw Tom Arnold a couple nights ago and we were, uh, he's very visible these days. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is out and about. Um, and, and, and Judd like wrote his special that he, his HBO special and he gave me a little part in that and, uh, uh, and then, and then Judd and I started talking about the sketch show and, and the thing I've been working on with Jeff. And he said, Oh, what maybe we, I don't know. It was one of those things where we just met and we thought, Hey, maybe we could do something together. And he was doing the young comedian special. Janine was doing that. Right. Uh, I remember going to Phoenix, uh, with them to tape the young comedian special. I think Spade was in that. Yeah. Day. I Spade think that too. one it was Spade, Janine, maybe, uh, Stoller. Yeah. And yeah, Kenler, maybe. maybe. I can't. Yeah. Maybe Andy Kenler. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was, the, and then I started hanging out at the improv and watching those guys do their thing and, it was, uh, I guess, what, 1990-ish, I guess, something like that. It's interesting how it works, though, that really it is about, you know, just hanging out with people sometimes. It was totally about hanging out. I mean, it was, it was, I think we were all just kind of going, okay, well, you know, what, what are you doing? What are we doing here? And then you redefine comedy. The, the, the <laughs> well, bunchy. I don't think we, I think we, you know, we were just sort of ripping off SCTV is what we were doing. Right. We, we loved SCTV. We thought, oh, let's do something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Albert Brooks was, sure. you know, wanted yeah. to be Albert Brooks and, um, and, and then, and, and we just sort of, uh, you know that was the influence really and then and and we were just trying to get on the air and it was uh and then we did a pilot that was uh started out with a story that of me being uh, uh Ben Stiller moving to Los Angeles to have a show on Fox and with these little short sketches in between and they kept on rejecting the pilot because the 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 wraparounds the story was pretty lame yeah 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 and uh we we reshot the pilot three times and every time the in between the sketches got shorter and shorter and then finally it just became me just sort of introducing the sketch uh-huh. so we gave up on the whole sort of backstory but you me. also were able to do these amazing characters like, which is something I'm envious of because I don't really know how to do it. It takes every bit of energy for me to maintain whatever character I've decided to live in. Right. And, and, <laughs> and when I when I see other people do characters, it, it, to me it's just it's mind blowing. Yeah. And and uh, I, I think the range, like the Opooter Toot sketch, is one of my favorite sketches still. <laughs> right. just, because it was deep, it was interesting. Right. It said something sort of about a, franchises. It had some satirical elements yes, to it. Yeah. Sort of a soylent green. Yeah. And I thought message. it was uh, hilarious and it was resonant with yeah. me. Well, that was fun for us also because I remember we did that. It, it was very near the end of the show. I think we, I think we might have known we were canceled already. Uh huh. And um, it was like a little movie. We got to do a little movie, and that was what it really appealed to me as a director. It was like, uh-huh. oh, let's just shoot this. Whole, and it was like one day. I think it was like eleven pages, way too long. And we just shot the whole thing in one day and did it like a little film. And, and that that was the fun part. It was like we could kind so of. So that sketch was a breakthrough for you in terms of knowing that you wanted to direct films and yeah, well, get a it, taste of it, it. It was just like yeah, approaching it like a little movie, like a little short. And uh, and that was definitely you know the that what. 
what I enjoyed doing on the show is I enjoyed directing. I enjoyed working with all the people on the show because I thought they were so funny. It was fun to, as a director, I always enjoyed that more working with the actors. And you can work with other people well. Um, I guess so. <laughs> no, but I mean, you do it. I mean, like, I, I always feel it's good to have a lot of funny people around, around. you. Yeah. To make you seem funnier. <laughs> me. <laughs> no, it's always been, to me, that's like a definitely, please. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Bring them. Yeah, yeah. Have them around. Yeah. And how long did before Reality Bites? Um, well, what happened was I, uh, gotten the script for Reality Bites while we were still working on the show and started working with Helen Childress, the writer on it, who she'd written sort of her life story uh-huh. uh, from being from Texas. And then uh, and then the show got canceled, and then the, the movie got a go-ahead sort of simultaneously. So it was kind of just fortunate that I kind of got a job after that. And th- Because that movie, like I tour with Janine sometimes, and that I, I think that it's one of those weird situations where it seemed to define a generation where the timing was awesome. Yeah. Do you feel yeah. that at that moment that there was some sort of, you know, like you were in the crucible of what became this Gen X definition of, of, of the new generation of kids? Well, it seemed like around that time, like singles came out in that book, Generation X, uh, Douglas Cobra, right. you know, yeah. I, it, with, within it, it was, uh, you know, it was just sort of like making this movie about Helen's life. But I think there was an awareness that it um, was trying to sort of capture an experience that was happening. I don't think we had any idea that it would be sort of like such a thing you know yeah and the movie didn't really make any money it was just kind of like you know it just i think it became like a, a the, the title became something that people like to use and yeah articles yeah, yeah. yeah. And work yeah. as like a headline yeah um but it was uh but doing it you know at the time was i, I had a great time doing it I, I i recently saw some footage like behind the scenes footage of when we were shooting it and uh i was laughing uh, just because I, I i feel like we all thought we really knew what we were doing yeah like like so cocky yeah <laughs> you, you know when you look back at yourself and you go like what the hell was i oh, thinking yeah. like i'm a kid i'm a kid and i'm there <laughs> joking i was so like this footage of me like joking behind the scenes with like the the, the crew and it's like all these crew guys yeah who obviously just don't yeah they, you know they, they're just working. like they've been just been through this a lot and i'm like making little <laughs> jokes behind the scenes like going this is a camera ooh, and yeah. <laughs> Look like such an asshole. <laughs> well, um, you have to do that. Yeah, you can't. You can't be aware of that stuff. You're you not aware of how of you know of just sort of the the brashness. I think when you're younger, which is obviously uh, you know necessary. Yeah. you know, to be able to go out and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Did you have any idea at that time that your career would be what it is? Uh, I mean, was that like? W- did you just want to work, or were you like, I- I'm going to be the guy? I really w- was thinking, and I always thought of it in terms of directing. Like, I and it was a strange thing because I would go through periods where I was not getting any work as an actor, but I would, you know, they, I'd have a movie to direct. And like in Reality Bites, I gave myself a, a role in it because Helen and I started improvising this character. That she said, "Oh, you, you know, you should play the guy." I was like, "All right, yeah, I'll play yeah, the guy." Sure, she I didn't really, do that. She didn't have to twist my arm, but um, <laughs> yeah. but it was, but it wasn't like I was getting hired away to do other movies as an actor. So it was a strange thing where, like, sometimes I was, you know, getting work as a director, sometimes getting work as an actor, and I always thought of it as a, a, a as being a director. So I didn't think I'd have the acting opportunities. So you really set it. out to be a director? Yeah, but I, I think I was conflicted because I liked, I liked uh, being an actor also, but it was really always for me making movies was always the most enjoyable thing. Yeah, and now it, it seems that I, I guess there's a question that's sort of in my mind because it seems like now in. in after you guys all paid your dues and you made yourselves and a bunch of other people money and you, you entertain people that there's really like two or three comedy camps in terms of film comedy. Right. Like right. there seems to be the, the McKay Farrell camp, right. the Apatow camp and the Stiller camp. Uh-huh. Now, <laughs> now we have tribal fires. Right. Right. We- <laughs> well, that's my question. I mean, are you, are you all still peers? Do, do you acknowledge that that is really happening? That mm-hmm. there really are, three camps or am i misreading it i've never seen it broken down into three camps well i but, think there um, was a vaughn no, no. you know uh uh he directed Favreau? yeah camp but they seem to be doing other things yeah. but, <laughs> but um <laughs> am i wrong no i don't think you're wrong when you break it down like that i, I think what the thing that's sort of acknowledged uh, is that a reality is and i've talked to judd about this and um you know is that people you know people become quote unquote successful and go all, all of a sudden there's a reality to the world of just people working and doing their thing that right. so there's you know it, it becomes 
it becomes like you gravitate towards your to where you're comfortable working, right? And um, people that you're comfortable working with. I love working with Judd. We always we always would would come together and work on something, and then go apart, right? And then come back together, like we did the the show, and then we sort of drifted apart for a few years. And then we did Cable Guy together, right? And then drifted apart. It, it always seemed like we came back together. It seemed like now it seems like now there's been a lot a long time that we haven't worked together directly. But I, I feel like there's always the desire to do that. And with Will, you know, Will and I have, have come together and, and then, uh, you know, and then gone off. It's not like there's – and that, that sort of stupid bullshit frat pack name that got – The thrown. Sandler crew? Well, no. I, I've been thrown into the no, – really? Yeah, where it's like Will and they, like yeah. a, a, sort of an artificial group because, yeah. again, like a name that rhymed that worked right, for – Right, right. Sure. That, that never really existed. I think people just end up going down their path and it it, it seems like, you know, uh, you, you want to kind of do your thing, uh, but it's not intentional that we don't – that, that like that, that Will and Adam don't do as many films with us. I think it's just that they're doing their thing. And well, yeah, that's what that. And I think once you guys acquired the power to produce, yes, that you know you're all production elements. You, yeah, you all and and it's yeah. Like, so right, right, yeah. And Sandler definitely, you know, like I mean, Sandler Happy too. Madison has done right. like a very you know very productive and very specific thing, and and Will and Adam do you know very specific things. And I, I think sometimes the 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 bullshit of the business gets sure. in the way a little yeah. bit. But you guys you know? are all friends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we're friends. You know, I, I, no, no, I know show business friends. I mean, you know each <laughs> other. We, we wave at each other. Right. And you time. can call Will and go, what's up? Yes. Yes. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally seeing Will tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> for what? Lunch? <laughs> we're having lunch tomorrow. And yeah. What, is that uh, a funny thing? Um, it, it, it's, well... It, it He's one of those lunch. guys. Like I, I love I, Will. To me, is like one of the funniest people no, on the planet. Absolutely, so I can I can watch him in anything and and just watch him eat. And, and I enjoy watching him eat. But well, he, but I mean, but it's it is. I mean, it's a real thing you're saying, which is just naturally people sure. sort of like separate. But I, I I also feel like there's a real goodwill between all of us, and and people support each other too. But like the, the budgets and what people get paid sure. and all of that stuff yeah. does get in the way of people just coming together like we did, you know, fifteen or twenty years ago or whatever, and saying, right, "Hey, right, let's do something." I'll get to come then, over. Like that's why when you came over, I'm like, Ben's coming over. Yeah, I right, mean, what was right. the last time you did this? Right. I'm going to come over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it's it, it definitely doesn't happen as much. But I also think like you know, you get older, you get families, you get kids, yeah, all who's that got stuff. the time? Yeah, but but no, but but you make a good point, I think, which is that it's sort of like people get you know pushed apart and uh and i think you have to fight to sort of overcome that well i'm just i'm just right. happy that there's no like you know there's no meetings in the in the stiller camp saying like you know apatow's going down <laughs> this movie's gonna bury him no i mean there isn't uh there, that doesn't really happen i think naturally in um to, you know to be perfectly honest like everybody sort of you know is aware of that we're all out there doing our thing comic and i think com comics have have always had you know yeah, it's sure. been a tough yeah, world yeah, all the time. yeah 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 but you want to you i think you have to fight against that i i really feel like you have to fight against that sort of you know the, those those instincts to to be supportive of each other yeah but it's hard i mean it's hard i remember you know judd and i had um had because uh, Judd and I go way back, yeah, and and we, and we I, I I do consider us be really good friends, um, but uh, we don't see each other all the time. But when we come together, it's like friends who've known yeah. each other for a long right. time. Yeah, but like a couple of years ago, we had movies that were out very close to each other, uh -huh. uh, had release dates that were out very close to each other, and that became a huge thing that because the studio it became us having to deal with our own feelings about each other and not and not wanting to get into you know not wanting to affect the other person's movie, but then also these two giant studios which had their agendas too and then you start and to realize it, who's in charge yeah and, and it becomes a it's a very tough thing to negotiate it to navigate a friendship through and what know? how that how that pan out i mean were there it, phone it, calls or yeah there were phone calls and you know and we had i think we had to figure it out ourselves personally through all through because we both you know i think cared about our movies having and the you best just show. and the basically the concern was like if we're both opening comedies up within a week or so it's of not each good other. it's not good for either you know, for the for either and what in, and what eventually happened? Did they, they go? Ahead? We we separated by you know a, a couple of weeks. There was enough space, but but I'm, what I'm saying is just that that type of experience is a strange sort of experience yeah. for two old friends oh, sure. have to go through. But and what, were those, what were those calls like? You know, I got nothing to do with this. 
You know, it, well, that's the thing. That's where you have to really, you know, be honest and try to, you know, and say, hey, this is, you know, out of my control. This, well, but but the, the, the reality is, for both of us, we have a certain amount of input where it's not totally out of our control. You know, right, right. And where we, but then there are these giant corporations that do, you know, they, uh, you know, no matter how much, uh, you know, uh, control you would have over a project are going to have agendas for their, you know, uh, you know, their hundreds of millions of dollars that they have riding sure. on these things. Sure. So that kind of thing is just a, a situation you never in a million years picture yourself being in, you know, 15 years earlier. And how did it end up? It ended up that it was like a little bit bumpy for both of us, but I think we came out of it okay because both movies did okay. Thank God. And, yeah, thank God. <laughs> But, you know, like, it, 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 I think we both learned a lot from it, too. About know? who you guys but, have become. Yes. And, and where you are. Yeah, and never to have movies open <laughs> close to each other. Uh, but we got through it. You know what I mean? That's the important thing. We, we got through That's it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Will Ferrell, see, this is a good example. You're going to have lunch with him. And sure, I'd like to talk to him, but, like, I feel like I know you for right, some reason. Right. And when I watch Will, he's the funniest guy. I mean, he's, he's one of the funniest people in the world, but I don't feel like I get a sense of who he is. I wouldn't know okay. what to talk to him about. Right, right. Like, you know, well, that's because, interesting, yeah. because I'd be sitting there with him and I would, you know, I'd be like, you know, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Right. <laughs> because, you know, because I get a sense for some reason I always have, and, and this is like even, like, I mean, you did Permanent Midnight. You did you did right. a lot of roles that weren't these broad comedy roles, and as I said before, you always seem to bring yourself to it. and And I think that it's interesting that it started out that you really wanted to be a director, and now you're this huge comedy star. But I I, I talked to when I talk about you, I think that you know I always find myself saying that you don't realize the intelligence of it, and you don't realize that you, you're a very thoughtful guy. And 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 the stuff that like Tropic Thunder, I think, is one of the best Hollywood satires ever. Oh, thanks. And and I had to watch it a couple of times to uh, to really see that there are some jokes and there are some nuances in there that are going to be lost on a lot of people. Right, right. But but nonetheless, you know, you really took on uh, the monster that feeds you. Right. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that never was an issue for me. Like that that to 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 take it to me, it's that's actually where I've always grabbed. I know. Then Stiller Show did that as well. That's always where I've found. Uh, you know, that's the the humor that I've enjoyed is the you know where where you are able to make fun of of this ridiculous world. And how caught up we all get in it and be able to look at, you know, ourselves and, and see. But that, I thought uh, that thing did it in such a way. Like, I didn't feel like, obviously, you know, a threat to the industry is, is decided, uh, whether it, that's decided upon whether or not it makes a lot of money. Right, right. So, so on some level, you know, you were protected there because the movie did well. It did well enough. Yeah. The, um, you know, when you really, th- you know, th- when you break it down, I think the, the, the real chance that was taken was by the studio to make a movie that was that. You know that big Critical. budget of movie that 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 was about a, a subject matter that historically has not really ever been successful at the box office. When they decided that, was it uh, was their decision based primarily on you know you being in it and Jack being in it and uh, and Downey? I mean, were they like, well, how can we lose? I think no. You know, I honestly think it was an, a unique situation at a studio, DreamWorks, that it was not a you know has changed in the last couple of years since then. I think it was a moment in time. I don't think that movie could get made today that at that budget right because everything has changed so radically in the last couple of years right um and it's a very uh, you know uh, dreamworks is a very personal uh, place in terms of a studio uh-huh. unlike uh you know sony or play but they're all these corporations run these places but dreamworks you know was was uh basically you know steven spielberg and uh uh david geffen and and, and jeffrey katzenberg started it so it, it is a strange situation where you go to steven spielberg and, and he has to say yes i want to make this movie and if, if he hadn't said yes i want to make that movie then it wouldn't have gotten made and he so liked he, it he liked it and decided to take a chance with it. i mean it's I honestly don't know if that that could have happened in a, in another situation. Were there moments where you were like Coppola in the tropics, where you're like, "I'm making the biggest disaster ever"? <laughs> there definitely it was. You know, when we got around to shooting the end of the movie with all the stuff blowing uh-huh. up and that last sort of you know um, you know escape, there there and we were over budget and we had to cut things and. You know, it was like the whole the whole scene was basically like the you know the guys get in this truck and they ride ride down this truck and the truck gets blown up and then they run over this bridge and they get to this helicopter. So it was like we shot it in sequence 
and it took like you know it was like two three weeks to just get down that road yeah and there were just times during that period where it's like are we ever gonna get down this road <laughs> you know because there were so many things that had to happen along yeah. the road we had to blow up the car has to blow up and then and then the bridge has to blow i mean like literally had to blow up a bridge and you know the 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 reality is when you get to the screening the movie for an audience, you know, an audience, it just was such a lesson for me. It's like, oh, you, you do go to the test screening and it's a comedy. And people go to a comedy, they want to do, they want to do one thing. They want to laugh. Yeah. And if they're not laughing, it's not happening. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And, and I realized, you know, all those explosions and all that stuff for us as, you know, filmmakers and, 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 you know, people who were psyched about the movie and, and different things going on. And ultimately, you know, the audience just wants to laugh. Yeah. And, and so you'd see these giant explosions and, you know, you go in that bridge. We built that bridge and we blew it and it took months and months yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. And like nobody really cares that much. Until there's the joke of like, you know, Jack Black going like, my ass, my ass. That's where the, you know, that's what, what people want to see. So there's a lot of money and a lot of uh, fire. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Into a, an ass joke. And you realize that that's, that's what, you know, it, it's the context, I think. But you knew on that movie that you, you were operating at a couple of different levels. Yeah, we were, we were, yeah. I, I mean, mean, there was a really delicate balance. There was a, there was a goal to try to, you know, the, the idea was like, yeah, if we can have this thing be sort of satirical, but also, you know, kind of be, you're invested in the characters too. And it's amazing. And then also have some action and all that. But, um, you know, again, I think sometimes, you know, you do these things like you're talking about like seeing a movie and then you look at it and you go, wow, that came off differently than I thought, like mm -hmm. a character. It's the same thing when you're doing, you're invested in something, you're doing it. You have these ideas and these thoughts, and then you can go back and look at it and go, "Wow, what what were we thinking, really?" You know, because there really are some crazy. Now, when I look at that movie, I go, "There's some ridiculous plot twists." Like and, what? Like, well, just the idea that a character would stay in, like in an actor captivity? would stay. Well, no, like an actor would, yeah, for yeah, well, that the, the I mean, Stockholm syndrome, yeah, thing. the Stockholm, or that that Downey's character would stay in character. But that's a, but that's a, that's a hilarious. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous and kind of. But but that assumption to have a reality that's based in that, you right. know, you kind of have to sell yourself on it when right. you're doing okay. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then in retrospect, you go, well, that's kind of you know ridiculous. But I think as long as you sort of invest yourself in the reality of the movie and say, okay, look, we're going to have a consistent reality and it might be sort of heightened. Yeah. But but you can really find the. I think it's always about no matter what the tone is, just finding the the real the real moment within it you it's know? a it's a beautifully trying to thing. find that well, and, and, and to do satire because i watching it two or three times i'll watch it every time it comes on mm -hmm. uh you know that it it's it runs pretty deep in its attack and also in its investigation of 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 fame of, yeah. of the personality of, the, of of somebody who is famous and the movie industry in general and you know marketing and everything else i mean yeah. there's a couple of scenes in that movie that i think are and they might be different than what other people like but the yeah. but the scene where uh where your agent thinks you killed a hooker is it's a hilarious beat. I mean, <laughs> that, the, and the hilarious thing about it is the way Matthew played it. Right, was right. that like without even missing a beat? It's like okay, what you got? Like like as if it he had happened before. He's dealt with it before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fucking great. Well, that's sort of yeah. That's I give that. That's Justin. You know, Justin Thoreau who wrote it together and with Etan Cohen. And you know that tone is basically the idea of like you know Holly underneath everything in in Hollywood. There really is, and the, that's not so far from reality. Right, and the fact that he would get hung up on the TiVo and that his big payoff the being yeah I mean that's something that I've dealt with with agents a lot over the years where it's like they can't get something done for you that's like get you a job right you know basically right. the but they so they're gonna you the focus they're gonna focus on something that they can do or that they're gonna make a whole big deal about something that you know that they're making happen because it's really the, the ultimately it's just because they can't get you what they you know right. what sure. you want sure. and they want you to keep working and with that's them. this crazy plate spinning and for me agents have always been an interesting you know area because I just think that that world is just it's such a crazy sort of reality that they live in. I, well, the agent that you did on the Ben Stiller show was also amazing. Yeah, yeah, there, that was that was sort of the the impetus for that character. Well, I think Matthew uh, McConaughey was less creepy yeah, yeah, than yeah. the guy that you created for the story. <laughs> <laughs> but they all seem to have some sort of odd thing missing in their personality. Agents, and, yes, yeah, oh, and, yeah, and managers as well. Yeah. Where it, I think it's called a conscience <laughs> and the ability to to differentiate between truth and lying. And I'm not saying that in a negative way because obviously it's part of their job. And they have to have an incredibly thick skin too, because they just deal with so much rejection. You know, in terms of what they're putting out there all the time. 
and they seem not to, you know, that's that they have to enjoy that. They have to enjoy like to me sometimes there are days when like I, I really have trouble making a phone call. Like to really think I have to talk to somebody. I don't know if do you ever have that feeling where you just go, I'm, I don't know if I I'm can ha- having it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know that where sure. you just go like I just don't know if I can really get it up to really just like to engage with somebody sure. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, well, there's avenues now. You can text. There's a lot of right, ways right. to detach. Exactly, to detach. <laughs> yeah. But, like, agents love that. They love getting on the phone. That's their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. want to get on the phone and, and have a confrontation with somebody or, or get somebody to try to do something they don't want. And that's a different personality that I that I don't connect with. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not that guy. I, I yeah. feel uh, it, it, I, it makes me uncomfortable. But I, you know, but I look at, like, my agent now, I'm amazed at, at what he does and how he does it because he really enjoys it. Well, he's apparently doing a good job <laughs> the other thing in in, in tropic thunder uh, that 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 was mind-blowing was that whole bit of business you know that the insecurity that your character had you know in relation to the real actor in the movie right, right. and then that whole bit of business with the with the drug compound and it was very weird movie there's a section of that movie you know where you're with the identity thing and the oscar and the, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. The, like who am i really and then everybody starts to break down yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know and then turns out that the only guy that's really got his shit together in the moment is the drug addict right right kind of right right <laughs> but <laughs> but i mean those are real questions uh and and i i guess i want to know in in your darker moments i mean do you find yourself in a place where you're like you know what does this all mean? Who am I really? I mean, am I? I mean, sure. I mean, I, I feel like all that stuff. I, you know, for me, that's like that's why it's in the movie. I feel like that's you know that you have to put in stuff that you can somehow identify with. I felt like I was doing that, doing the movie with Robert Downey. Yeah, you know, it was so funny <laughs> to me because I felt like I was. I found myself watching him do this character, and he was just in some groove that was just so like right off the bat. I found myself as, as Ben Stiller watching Robert Downey going. Oh, how the fuck is he doing that? And then, like, and watching him while, while I was doing scenes with him, like, wanting to figure out, like, like, what's his process? Let me see how he's doing it. You know, to try yeah. to, which is exactly what was going on in the movie. Um, but that's just the reality of actors. You know, I think that's, you know, you're, you can, you can be totally in awe of an actor and at the same time also be envious because you're like, oh, fuck, why can't I do that? Um, the great thing for me as a director is I, as a director, you, it's a great gift when you have actors who are that good because you can just enjoy what they're doing, encourage them, hopefully yeah, yeah. Gu- guide them a little bit. But once, you know, they're doing their thing, you just, you have this great feeling of like, wow, that gets to be in my movie and I get to be, you know, help, help. In some way, you know, whatever little way, but really it's that, that enjoyment of actors. So I, I think that's always, you know, sort of helped me get over my own actor envy issues. So, and also I guess when you're director and you're having actor envy, you've got to sort of deliberate between where's my next directorial choice coming from? Oh, yeah, 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 for (laughs) sure. Am I doing it to honor my actor ego? Well, that's, that's real, but that's actually a real thing when you're, when you're directing an actor. Like you, you, because you want to be there for the other actors as a director. That's so important because you know as an actor yourself, when the director's, you need the director. You need the director, you need that eye that you trust. But then as an actor, you also want to be sort of uh, giving yourself a shot to do what you need to do. It's a very strange situation. But, I can't, I can't. but you can't do it without the support of the other actors. And that's that's the thing Like for me with, with Jack, because I've known Jack for a long time, and Downey I didn't know before in the movie. But, you know, the fact that those guys and everybody in the cast was sort of supportive and of what the process was, because otherwise they could just kill you as a sure as an actor director in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, if they're not there for you, you know. Yeah. Um, So it was an interesting it was an interesting process, but it was really fun. I mean, I I had more fun doing that movie than I had. It shows, man. I mean, it's a it's a it's a movie that has to be rewatched. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So you've known Jack a long time, and I guess there, there are a lot of people want to know what happened with uh, Heat Vision and Jack, mm-hmm. the the pilot. It was a pilot. It was a pilot. Yes, <laughs> it was a failed pilot for Fox about eleven years ago. But I've heard people talk about it. I don't know the history of it, and 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 I, I it guess was, it was basically um, uh, it was just a, a script that that we got uh, from Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon. Dan now runs a show called Community, and Rob Schraub's a really, I think he's directed a Sarah Silverman show, and he's yeah. very, very talented guys who came from Milwaukee and had an underground comic book called Scud, the Disposable Assassin that they had written, and they came out, and they were, I think they were developing a show, they got some deal, and they got frustrated with the development process and went off and wrote Heat Vision and Jack in two days as just sort of like to vent their energy, and it, and it ended up uh, being something Fox wanted to do. Uh, and so, 
we did it. You know, we it was Jack Black as this uh, astronaut named uh, Jack Austin, sort of a Steve Austin esque yeah, yeah, yeah. guy who uh-huh. flew too close to the sun and. His brain expands during the day, and he becomes the smartest man in the universe. <laughs> and then at night, he's a normal guy. And his best friend got turned into a, a motorcycle uh, by at NASA, which is an evil organization run by the late Ron Silver, who was undercover as Ron Silver, the actor, but was really the evil head of NASA. And Owen Wilson was the voice of his best friend, who was a motorcycle, and uh, got got zapped into a motorcycle. So it's them going on the road every every week. How do you can? Uh, I didn't concede. I I can take no credit for it. I thought when I read it though, it was like the tone of it to me was so great because it was really taking these elements of uh, Six Million Dollar Man and Knight Rider and every seventies eighties show that we, we loved watching. And kind of taking it seriously enough in a way that you actually had, it wasn't just uh, making fun of the characters, but there was a, a real sort of care for this relationship between these two guys. And so we just went off and did it and, and then didn't get picked up. That's, you know, like that. very quickly didn't get picked up. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, they they was, were like, what is this? And th- because people didn't understand it, they didn't get it? I don't know. You know, I literally just uh, produced a pilot for Fox that didn't get picked up. Was that uh, the one with Whitney? Uh, yes, the station uh-huh. uh, that had. Again, it's just you know, it's. I, I thought it was great. Uh, it was directed by David Wayne and just a lot of really funny people. Justin Bartha, John Goodman, all you know, just a very interesting idea about a CIA station in the, in Central America that doesn't get any action. It's written by a guy named Kevin Napier because all the action's in the Middle East now. So they were just it was just sort of the slow, sleepy <laughs> CIA <out>. station. <laughs> and um, uh, anyway. What the process is of how these network people decide, you know, I, I mean, I can kind of on the surface see what they go for. But when it comes down to it in a room like them saying, you know, yes or no, I don't I don't know. I think that, that if somebody with enough power gets frightened and they can't blame the possible failure of the project on someone else, they nix it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, that, that could be true. I mean, we also had a, a turnover uh, at Fox during uh, the, the process. We had it for a year. Was that's like, happened uh, to me every time I've had anything in development. That's what happened with, in the Ben Stiller show, too, on Fox. We got canceled when uh, 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 Sandy Grushow took over the network. Yeah, yeah. I was. I had to deal with them when, when he was there. I believe I, you know, I don't know. I can't. You know, it's not. It's not my world. I don't know that I can handle the rejection as readily as other people. Because when you're a comic and you write a script, it's you. Right. Like I'm right. not. I'm not a writer guy. So when I when I put something together finally, and it has to be spaced by eight years. You know, when I pitch something, because right. my life has had to have changed enough for me to be the center of this thing. Right. So when right, they right. say no, it's like, oh, well, I guess I got to wait eight years. Right. I'll play an old guy. In your the next life, pitch. no to your life. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a great way to live in show business, but it is what it is. So it's, it isn't a great way to live. It's not. <laughs> But I mean, I feel like that's the experience of show. I feel like that any script that doesn't, I, I mean, literally I'm dealing with that in a movie right now. I'm trying to get made that it's just like, it, it, I take it very personally. You yeah. know, I, I get upset with these people. I go through the whole thing. I was talking to my wife about it last night. Like, you know, I, I get upset with these, these, these executives who are making these decisions and I take, you know, what does that mean? Why, cause, cause it, it, it's really hard these days to get anything made that isn't, you know, Iron Man three, sure. I mean, it really is hard, and or it's not. You know, people see you in a you know, in a very specific way, um, and so uh, in terms of what is bankable or not, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and when you put yourself out there, and you 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 know, you write something, or you you know, you, you put the time in. Sure. You know, it's hard not to take it personally. I, 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 I don't, if you get too hardened to that, I don't think you're. You How know, do you react when you take it personally? I mean, do you do you get angry? <laughs> <laughs> I get sad. I get. <laughs> It's better than angry. Um, you know, I, I know I get sad and angry and all those. I, you know, I'm used to the feelings now because it happens. Like, I just know I'm going to have that feeling if something's, you know, not coming together the way I want it to. Uh, uh, and I've dealt with that on certain projects where uh, I've had a, 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 a movie called Civil Warland and Bad Decline, which is based on a story by George Saunders, who's a really great writer. Great writer, yeah. And we literally, it's been almost 14 years we've been trying to get that movie oh made. Oh, my God. And uh, I... I got great actors attached to it, all this, you know, and, and it hasn't been able to get, and it's literally one of those at night, I'll just like, I'll just think about it and I go, what is it? What is it? You know, is it, is it the script bad? No, I don't think the script is bad. Is it, you know, is it me? Does it, they don't want to work with me as a director? Is it these, these actors? What, you know, 
and there's no answer to it. It's just it's just the reality of of show business, you right? Know? Well, and then and you, you have to let it go. You have to like be able to like sort of feel it and, and and acknowledge the feelings. And then it's like anything. It's like any rejection in life. You you, you can it's you know it goes back to the Greenberg thing. You can stew on it and then suppress it forever. And, yeah, and it can and it can eat you up. And you have to figure out ways to uh, to 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 move on. Move on. Now, you know, talking about your parents, I mean, I can't help but, like, when I see your dad working, I see your mom in movies, and I see you working, I, it, it makes me proud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, it's, it's touching you. to you. me. Uh-huh. Uh, because your dad is such a character, and, and your mom is so unique, and you've got your thing going, and you're unique, and I, I just, how, I mean, because they seem much like volatile people to me. Yeah. But I mean, what what is their experience with you and in your your extraordinary success? I mean, it, being uh, that they've been in the business for what fifty years. Yeah, um, we have a really good relationship uh, now. I think our relationship has developed. I, I feel like as parents, they've been um, they've always been supportive. They've always been understanding of show business, obviously, because that's what they do. And they had to deal with parents who didn't get it. Uh, my dad's parents didn't understand it all. My dad grew up l- very poor on the Lower East Side during the Depression. His dad was a bus driver, and his uh, m- mom. They, you want to do what? Yeah, they, I mean, literally yeah. that, you know. Yeah. And he had, and he really wanted to be a comedian, and he really worked hard. My mom grew up in Long Island. Uh, her dad was a lawyer, uh, sort of middle class, and uh, her mom died at a young age, and she sort of was on her own. But very serious actress from a young age. She really wanted to be a serious actress. Uh-huh. And then she met my dad, and um, they both were starving and not making uh, ends meet and decided to start a comedy team. So they worked really hard, and I think they understood what it was to be uh, not understood by your parents. So I think they, they on my, for my sister and I, they really were supportive, seeing that we wanted to do it. Um but that being said, it's like there's, it's you know I think any relationship with your people you know, with your parents is always going to be complicated, uh, and uh, it it was complicated growing up because they did uh, work a lot and they went away a lot and they uh, they had the stress of having to 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 go on the Ed Sullivan show thirty times and I mean I just to imagine what that is you know to have to go on that show in front of forty million and people. there's two of them so it's not yeah. just it's not just like you with your wife spinning you know your problems in your head about the business right. it's them going like you know we got to do this and yeah. you're not carrying your weight yes. or that kind of shit no, there were a lot of that and and I think my they both very different people and my mother took it much more in stride and my dad was much more of like preparing and rehearsing and my mother wanted to kind of sort of just go with it and was naturally i think my mother was it was easier for my mother to go out there and just kind of wing it because she just had a natural facility where my dad was like i like i want to run it run it run it and they had to write it together and uh they both were so, i mean oh, it, they're so it's interconnected yeah but they but but, but, <laughs> but yeah but when they got out there together they had just had a very special thing together and yeah. even to this day when i see them when they get up in front of anybody and do something it's this amazing sort of uh you know symbiotic thing that is just it's it's uh you know it's hilarious and it's so well honed over the years um but yeah but growing up with that is a little bit crazy and but but what i like about our relationship now is that it's evolved and our parents have both changed as people over the years which i feel like that's what you got to just you know hopefully that's what any relationship is, is like you're trying to grow and and somehow evolve and not be stuck in what you know um getting caught up in, th- in 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 where you were and so they i've really seen them grow over the years and we talk about it we talk about how hard it was for them to be parents back then and um my mother will talk about all the time her you know um she's uh you know about just about how how demanding it was for her and how she feels like she wasn't a great mother a lot of the time but you know the fact that we can talk about it like that and she actually even you know, wants to engage about it to me is amazing. And, and she's 80, you know, my mom's 80, my dad's almost 83. And they're, they're both, wow. they're both very vibrant. And, um, you know, they both, uh, my, my mom reads voraciously and is very connected with what's going on, but doesn't have sort of any need to have to be out there doing it. My dad really needs to keep on working to just to, 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 to I think to just keep going. That's, yeah. My that's dad's the same way. It's um, interesting that you bring that up because there's a point, like even on that bulletin board right there, you see that piece of paper up there. It says Barry Curse. Yes, that's my dad. Now, at some point, I wrote that. <laughs> at some point, I needed to make a list of, of his shortcomings or his the liabilities of being wired by that guy 
and then you know also counter it with the good things and eventually realize at some point you got to say you know what? They, they they did what they did yes. and 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 I love them uh, yes very very important to have acceptance i think because uh cuz then you'll be greenberg yeah exactly you know you can <laughs> hang on to that and but but that's what i realized cuz my mom um my mom has really changed a lot i mean uh over the years and uh i i i think i i um you know probably uh, had some i had a lot of uh upset about you know about kind of like feeling like well where were they when we were younger and they'd go out and they had but they were working they were like you know when you look back they, they were doing the best they could and they were great they they were great parents it's just like they had to work and they had to go out and play nightclubs for drunken crowds yeah. and they had to go and go to la but they never wanted to move to la they were new yorkers right and so they traveled more and they were away more than if we had moved out to california but that was something that was a choice that they made that i i really uh, appreciate that yeah, new york's a better place to grow to up grow up, that I got yeah. to grow up in new york um, and as you, and then, of course, the ultimate, uh, uh, uh sort of, uh, uh, realization when you have kids, when you think, okay, now I'm gonna have my kids, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna right all the wrongs that, you know, that my oh, parents- Oh, absolutely. Did. With and spite. You, yeah, yeah. Have <laughs> some spite. And, um, and, 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 you know, then you just realize how hard it is to be a parent. I mean, and I've made so many mistakes, different mistakes than my parents have made, some the same too, but like trying not to, you just realize it's a really, really challenging thing to be a parent. And I, cause I work and I, and I, I know it's important, you know, to obviously, you know, to create, uh, you know, a, a living and, and all that and also for creativity. But there's no way you can do that and not explain to your kids, justify it to young kids. They don't, they don't understand why you're going away. No. Um, so I have much more empathy for my parents, you know, being a parent and, and I just, I give them a lot of credit for, uh, continuing to just sort of, uh, look at themselves. And so now our relationship is, is, is as good as it's ever been. And they get to pick up a little swag because they, when the grandkids come, it gives them a second chance in a way. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. But, you know, but, but I like is that it hasn't, you know, that, that uh, our relationship now is like, is a real relationship is, and it's not, you know, we're not talking about the past a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, and do they express pride? Yes, yeah, yeah. My dad, yes, my dad is, <laughs> you know, I, I, they they both do. You know, I, my mom is a tougher audience. Uh huh. Um, she's just always naturally been uh, uh, had a pretty sort of high bar in terms of comedy and and uh, writing and all those things. So, like, if I do something that she that she seems to like, it, you know, I, I feel like that's sort of, uh, you know, something I can appreciate. Oh, that's it, it means more when yeah, she, when yeah, you yeah. Kind of break her and she's like, yeah. that was good. But like, yeah, 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 yeah. That she goes, I like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Oh, that's sweet. So I guess in closing here, I mean, you know, you do a lot of stuff. You do it very well, and uh, and and like you do, you know, big family movies. You do small independent movies. You know, you, you seem to have a lot of freedom, and you're a hard worker, and and things seem to be, you know, you're at the top of your game right now, right? Um. You know, I I hope I hope I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm not good. I'm not good at sussing out where I okay you know, where, well then, where I'm at in my game. Other than I'm trying, I just know that I'm trying to be as connected as possible to what I want to be doing and re- really looking at that. And what are your big fears? I mean, in terms of like you know, outside well, of the work drying up because right, I mean, right. that's not going to happen in the next couple of years. Um, You're probably pretty backed up with work, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's you know things are. Going Okay, it's just it's you know it's what we're talking about. You know the the movies that are really interesting to me now, uh, trying to go in different directions. You know movies like like Greenberg or something like that. It's it's those are the harder ones to get made, um, no matter what. So do you um, do you find are you concerned about and for yourself? Do you approach a movie like the the uh, the Fockers movies or the Night at the Museum movies as? In a different way, do you, do you look at yourself like, is that easier? Is it harder? Is it like, you know, you, you get to be broader or, or you um, know that you're, you're going to make more money possibly? I mean, how do you, how do you approach them differently? Well, it's just a different context. I mean, I, I don't approach them differently in terms of how hard I work on them. Right. It's just a different context for, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what you're doing, you know, in terms of what the, who the audience is, what the expectation is. Um, you know, success in, in those kinds of movies is, uh, you have to be aware of what, um, of what the, you know, what a studio needs to happen in a movie like that. Now, you don't have to engage in it and you can say, well, I don't, I don't care, but you have to be aware of it. And, and for me, I want to be, uh, I'm trying to work as hard as I can on a movie like that to, to make it as good as I possibly feel it can be. 
um, for that audience. Now, the smaller movies, the smaller movies, I don't give a shit about. (laughs) 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 No one's going to see them. Doesn't matter. Um, no, no. I mean, it's, you know, it, Honestly, it's like on a case-by-case basis, you just approach everything you're doing with, you try to be as engaged as possible and try to make the best decisions. And and continually, I find myself making mistakes every time. And every time I go out, I go, okay, I'm going to try not to make the same mistake. Like again. what? Um, you know, people that you, uh, you know, people you work with and go, okay, how can I figure out how to, to not... Um, you know, put myself in a position where I feel like that, that was a frustrating experience. And then uh, honestly, it comes back to me a lot of the time. And I realized, I realized over the years that like my, my point of view, sometimes my, like this quote unquote perfectionism thing, which I don't, I don't mean that by like, uh, that's something I can get it perfect, but just like some, like focusing on something. Yeah. When you realize that like, if you don't focus on trying to make something the way you think it should be as much, um, it's going to, it's going to be what it is anyway. And trying to allow that to happen. That, little, little that breathing room for yourself. Yeah, yeah. In other words, real, realizing that my attitude towards people is probably as much of an issue as anything else. Sure. And, um, you know that that kind of stuff. I think is just sort of like where you're at in your life, and you try to. So every time I go out, I'm I'm, I'm try to be more aware of that. And do you do you um, because fear... then it's gonna be more enjoyable for me. Too. Sure. I mean, you might as well give yourself a little space. It's almost like saying, like you know, I know what I'm doing. Why can't I enjoy it? Yes. It will also, the other thing that over the last few years I've, I've been much more aware of is that the experience is all you have. That's right. I mean, it really is. Yeah. You know, you, these movies exist, whatever, you know, you get in the editing room and you work on the whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, you're there for three, four months working with these people. And if you don't, if you're not there present enjoying it, then there's no reason to do it because that's what most of your time is taken up doing. Do you, do you worry about what people think about you in a broad sense? I mean, do you, do you get a feeling like, you know, like if I don't balance out these, these larger family right. type movies with movies that I, I find, you know, uh, emotionally and, and creatively challenging that I'm going to be judged a certain way? Well, I'm, I'm aware of that, but also uh, at the end of the day, it's much stronger, um, motivation is my own feeling about sure. it. Like, it's much more important to me because I can't, I cannot control what other people think about me. And there, nowadays, I mean, there's always been a lot of opinions whenever you put something out there, sure. but like with the internet and with the whole world out there of everybody out there judging stuff and writing stuff is way too much to engage yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And the, I think that the challenge is, is to not, uh, to block yourself off where you're living in a bubble. Of fear. Go, yeah, of fear, and I don't want to know anything. Right. And all of a sudden, you're you know you're not in touch with anything. Right. Uh, but then to really just be doing what's going to make you happy. Cause, I mean, because honestly, that that that's I'm much more concerned about what's you know that I'm feeling creatively fulfilled doing something because I know that's the only way that it's going to be any good to anyone is if right. I'm actually engaged in it to yourself. The as rest well. of it, I of course I'm aware of that stuff, yeah. but I can't, I can't. Unfortunately, no matter how much I try, I cannot control it. I can't yeah. do. It. I cannot make the people who aren't into it be into it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I remember I remember re- realizing that very early on. I I did this play House of Blue Leaves. It was one of the first jobs I had and. Um, I got slammed in a review. It was the first professional job I had. Like me and Chris Walken, were, Chris Walken was in the play. Who was like, you know, Chris Walken, this amazing yeah. actor. Yeah. And Chris Walken and I got slammed in the same sentence by John Simon, the reviewer for New York. You know, it's like he's a famous yeah. reviewer who's just it relishes ways he can slam actors. Yeah. And um, and uh, I realized, oh wow! So like right off the bat, I was like, wow, I'm getting slammed with Chris Walken. That's you know, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he's in it with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm somehow now I'm like, I'm with him I'm somehow. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. up here. Yeah. But then, you, you know, you just realize right off that, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. And it doesn't make, I'm not saying it makes it easier necessarily to deal with, but it is just a fact that you just have to accept. And then you go, is that going to affect me? Is Am I, am I going to quit acting tomorrow? Because if, you know, am I really going to engage in that and stop doing what I'm doing? And because, and I just, I know. So. Good. I might as well just keep on going and, and doing my thing and, and trying to feel good about what I'm doing. That's awesome. Another difference between you and the Greenberg character. Yes. I yeah. Think but, could... but I mean, that's, that's, yes. But that's the constant struggle yeah. for sure. You know? Well, I, I really appreciate you coming and doing the show and uh, I wish you nothing but continued success. Thanks, Mark. It's great to talk to you. Thanks, Ben. Well, Ben just left, and I and I got to be honest with you. As nervous as I was, it, it was I, I had a great time. He's a very sweet guy, and uh, he took some WTF coffee, and I hope you enjoyed that. 
Anyways, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF uh, pod needs. And we are listener-supported, so if you find it in your heart to get on board for a $10 a month rolling subscription uh, donation, I'd love it, uh, or anything you want to give. There's also merchandise available. Uh, and PunchlineMagazine.com uh, for all your, your comedy news needs. And uh, I guess I just got to come down from this because that was a nice conversation. And I hope you enjoyed it again. Okay. Bye.